Hey guys, I'm Sonny Drinkwater, co-founder of WellEasy. Welcome back to the Drinkwater Diary, where every week I give you, the ambitious thinker, actionable insights from my personal life in order to help you take action, think better, and live more truthfully. Whether you're starting a business, launching a podcast, improving your career, or just looking to try something new. In today's extract, I'm going to be talking about imposter syndrome. This to me is a persistent thought that what I'm currently doing, where we've come so far, and the things that are good about my own life happened entirely by chance, and I didn't deserve to be here one bit. Now, I've still got a hell of a long way to go on my path to building well easy to where it should be, and I'm not for one minute saying that I don't still have tons and tons of things to learn. But what I do know is I've dealt with imposter syndrome even throughout university, and never have I felt it more than in getting well easy off the ground. In this episode, I'm going to share a more personal approach to some of my own stories and how I personally try to tackle or work with imposter syndrome on a daily basis. So let's get into this week's episode on how I personally deal with imposter syndrome. So as I mentioned in the intro, I'm pretty sure every single one of you listening can relate to the feeling of imposter syndrome. In fact, the actual statistic is around 70% of people having experienced it in some point in their life. It's this anxiety-induced feeling that you're inadequate to be in the current position you're in, and it was luck rather than skill or effort that got you there. The fear is worsened by the fact that you also believe at some point that you're going to be outed or found out for just how lucky you actually are, and that people will eventually know of your lacking of skill or talent very, very clearly. I'm a fraud. I got lucky. The people around me are so much smarter than I am and I don't even know why I'm here. Does this sound familiar? Well, these are the exact thoughts that I experience from time to time. Being in the startup world, you meet some absolutely brilliant people. And even in my two years, I've been able to meet the likes of Stephen Bartlett, who's recently just joined Dragon's Den, Tom Blomfield, the co-founder of Monzo. I was fortunate enough enough for easy to actually gain a non-executive director in Julian Khaled, who co-founded online furniture giant Made.com. It's kind of like a modern day Ikea. But even before that, I can actually remember during university when I was working at two different startups, just feeling as if I knew absolutely nothing compared to the people around me. I didn't actually know what I was doing there or did I even deserve to be in the same room as them. In fact, jump ahead two years to when we did our pre-seed round in 2021 for WellEasy and I was talking with some of the most financially successful individuals in the UK and feeling like I was almost just taking, taking the mic really, just being there on a call with them. And for me, There are a few sort of key examples or insights that I wanted to give you as to where this manifests most. Firstly, I tend to think that the only thing I really did was to get my hands dirty at the start of uh, the business by packing boxes in our garage with Josh. I'd call customers whenever there are issues and I just facilitated the initial launch of WellEasy. In fact, even now, I actually question whether that was the only real contribution I'd ever made to the business personally and that my work now is just ineffective and I'm actually not skilled enough to do anything. The second thought I tend to have is that in the business, I'm actually dead wood. My co-founder, everyone else around me is completely carrying me. I have no skills, nothing to contribute. And in fact, I'm probably slowing the business down every single day that I'm there. Every hire we make is far smarter than me. And at some point, everyone working for the company is going to think these same things too. And it's going to become very clear that I have no skill, no talent, and I'm just lucky to be there. And the last thought I tend to have is around the future of WellEasy. Am I a fraud for believing that I can actually lead well easy alongside Josh to the place where it could be? I think we both know that at times, you know, anyone more experienced as a founder that was building well easy would have a very, very, very good chance of making it a success. 
It's a proven business model. It's a huge market opportunity. And actually, it's quite a fairly simple business to launch as far as retail businesses go. And I sometimes get caught up thinking, how will raise the next round of funding? How will hire people that are more senior than us, that you might be like 30, 40 years old? And how will build a big business out of what we're actually doing now? And these thoughts can actually really impact and encroach on my life. And they do so in the following ways. So one way that this sometimes happens or manifests is in my evenings, I end up just trying to do extra work outside of normal work hours to make up for the fact that I feel like I'm not contributing enough. I end up sitting up at night, watching programs with my girlfriend, but still on my phone or my laptop and just never really be pr- being present. I spend hours trying to learn new skills or contribute to different activities or different parts of the business and the boundaries between my work life and everything else get completely blurred. In fact, if it wasn't for my girlfriend reminding me of the reasons that I was probably working so late, I would literally would be doing this most evenings and it really isn't to any real benefit to me or the company. The second impact that it can sometimes have is through what I like to call or what is kind of known as idea bias. In an effort to try and reassure myself that the things I'm thinking or the things that I'm feeling aren't true, I tend to go headfirst into the ideas that I have or I've generated. I find tons of evidence to support the ideas that I presented to the team. And then if they agree, it feels a good, a good thing to me. My mood that day is completely elevated. It's like a little reassurance tick that tells me that I am actually contributing and my thoughts do help to the business. And it's a never-ending cycle of idea approval and then feeling a lack of contribution and coming up with another idea again. And the third way that it tends to manifest as well, which is probably less of an issue externally as it is internally or personally to me, is that it takes the appreciation and fun out of my work and everything that I'm doing. I can become so obsessed with overcoming these feelings of inadequacy, I actually begin to lose sight of the entrepreneurial journey that I'm actually on. The amazing people that I get to meet and the work that goes along with it. And just how far we've actually come in the space of one year from packing boxes in a garage to now. And as a leader of the company, it also affects my own ability to be able to credit other people for their work, their own thoughts, their own contributions, and I'm just far too busy looking at my own contribution. It means that my lack of trust is definitely somewhat elevated and I end up getting involved in tasks unnecessarily or actually adding confusion to the existing strategy due to my lack of information I've gathered before actually contributing to it. It also means that I tend to end up overlooking the things I'm actually good at myself, like organizing meetings, motivating the team, public speaking, working with investors or any sort of external stuff that we do here at WellEasy. And I focus solely on my incapabilities, things like content editing, marketing or product that have specific skill sets that I may not have. And the other perspective to all of this, which I try to rationalize and understand for myself is just why. Why is it that I feel like this and struggle so much with imposter syndrome? And for me, it kind of comes down to three main reasons. Firstly, my age. I'm 23 years old, building what could hopefully be a very big company one day with hundreds of jobs and a hugely successful mission to make healthy living accessible to absolutely everyone. But the reality is I've never had a full-time job. I've never led a team and I've never known what the working world is actually like. This was so apparent to me when we were, were trying to raise money and the good investors would actually ask this exact question of me. But if I was actually to believe this, I wouldn't be doing what I was doing. But it's still a thought that kind of fuels a lot of the above. Secondly, I'm actually naturally very competitive as a person. I think growing up, playing a lot of sport and having a very pushy dad has, has made me very competitive with most things. When I began to try hard in school, I would deliberately wouldn't share my homework with other people or I'd actually lie about how much work I'd actually done preparing for like a test or an exam or something. And with my friends, I'd be super competitive at anything we did. And in fact, with my best friend now, 
if he's actually listening to this podcast, he'd probably be laughing to this. But I still do it to this day, where I'm so competitive with him at most things, even though he probably beats me at half of them, if not all. But no matter what happens in my life, I just know that I'm a very competitive person naturally. And so too is my co-founder, Josh. It's sort of like an unsung thing that on some level, subconsciously, I think we're both still kind of competing with each other. But we actually communicate this super, super well to the point that it's either kept at bay and we prioritize care for one another and the company over everything else. And the last reason as to why I think that I struggle with imposter syndrome, for me personally, is due to having more of an obsessive brain. I've mentioned it in previous episodes that I'm someone that struggles with intrusive thoughts and OCD and have done for the last four or five years. I've got to a place in my life where I can kind of work quite well with it and actually use it to my advantage, but there are still times that I can spiral and become rather negative. With imposter syndrome, it's the exact same mechanism that's at play for me. Self-doubt, looking for evidence of failure, and needing to do something to eradicate that thought or feeling to kind of reassure myself. So how then do I work every day to try and help this? Well, there's actually a few things I take forward in my days to help myself work with imposter syndrome and not against it. You can't really ever get rid of it, but by changing how you think about it, you can learn to work with it a little better. So the first way I do it, and I mentioned this in a previous episode, is I focus on self-esteem. Number one for me is to work on improving my own self-esteem. I've done a previous episode all about the things I do to improve this, but it can largely be summarized in the following. Self-esteem is all about unlearning the stories we've previously told ourselves and building back new ones based on new evidence. It takes work through reading, reflection and even therapy to help us break break previous thinking patterns and narratives and then actually try new things and overcome new challenges to change the things that we believe about ourselves. it's an ongoing process about like consciously building up my own self-esteem but it's one of the biggest things for me that can actually help work with imposter syndrome i feel proud of the things i've been able to do and the things i can achieve because new evidence in my life has shown me that i can do things I can remember times before starting Well Easy where I believed I'd never be able to start a business of my own. Then it became, we'd never be able to get customers for that business. Then, we'd never be able to raise investment for that business or hire some awesome people to help us build it. And when I look back now, I can see that at every moment where I thought to myself that we may not be able to do something, with time, consistency and patience, we were actually able to do it. And in fact, I had a more leading role in a few of these instances like the fundraising round. Previous evidence isn't there to make you complacent there are still so many things you need to improve upon develop showcase and learn and especially me for the future of this company but over time it's shown me that with consistency and perseverance we're able to overcome our limiting beliefs and in fact always have a slight quiet confidence that we can do the things we're working towards quiet confidence is how i describe it to most people and i really believe that it's such an important attitude to develop in younger people today it's not arrogance complacency or naivety It's just an underlying belief based on previous evidence of overcoming challenges and success that there's a high chance you'll be able to do the thing that you set your mind towards right now. So number two, the next way I try and work with imposter syndrome rather than against it is to normalize it in my head. The second thing I try to do when experiencing imposter syndrome is to in fact try and just kind of normalize it. If you were to run a quick Google search for imposter syndrome of celebrities, business people, or anyone that's kind of suffered with it, you would see hundreds and hundreds of returns come up. And oftentimes, I actually find myself thinking about all of these people who've gone through it and felt the very same way that I have throughout the course of their careers, and I look for these stories online. So to give you an example from someone that I admire a hell of a lot is Sheryl Sandberg. 
she's the chief operations officer at Facebook, now Meta. And she's also the, that's as in Meta, the company, I haven't actually met her. And she's also the author of a very popular book called Lean In. In this book, she actually shares a personal thought from her time when she was a member of the Phi Beta Kappa, I think I'm pronouncing that right, which was uh, basically her time at Harvard. It was the sorority she was part of. And she states this, Every time I took a test, I was sure that it had gone badly. And every time I didn't embarrass myself or even excelled, I believed that I'd fooled everyone yet again. One day soon, the jig would be up. And in another interview about her book, Sandberg also said that there are still days when I wake up feeling like a fraud. Not sure I should be where I am. By normalising to myself that everyone I admired, looked up to, or had been in like a similar position to where we are now, had also had these experiences, thoughts and feelings the same as I had, it reassured me that I'm not alone and I can learn to work with imposter syndrome and it still reassures me to this day now. And the good thing about LinkedIn is that there are so many recent founders or recent sort of professionals that are sharing more personal feelings about imposter syndrome, how they deal with it, how they're working with it on a daily basis, and they're still building their companies and achieving great things. And the last and like final way I tried to work with imposter syndrome myself is to see imposter syndrome in a positive light. Being someone that suffered with, as I mentioned before, OCD or intrusive thoughts for the last four or five years, I spent a large proportion of my life trying to find the good in the way that my brain works. And for good reason too. Having an obsessive brain, it does allow me to become super motivated for the task at hand. It keeps me motivated in the things I'm working towards and is only ever quietened down really by problem solving or doing things that are creative. The downside, however, is it can often get stuck ruminating about the wrong kinds of things. And with imposter syndrome, I've had to do this exact same thing. And to be honest, they're both largely driven by the, the very same mechanism, or me personally. I've had to turn imposter syndrome into something that I'm actually proud of. It's something that will forever keep me motivated and working towards where I want to be. And it's the push factor I need to kind of hold myself accountable that my work and impact is as good as it possibly can be. It's that sort of much needed self-doubt that can actually be turned into like fire in my belly and a really good tool to leverage for consistency and determination at work. So shifting the perspective on imposter syndrome really tends to embody to me that this isn't something that will ever just disappear completely or something that would just go away. It is in fact something that I need to work with use to my own advantage and understand that so many other people have gone through the exact same thing and turned it to their advantage. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. I thought I would share something a little bit more personal with my own stories, my own thoughts around sort of imposter syndrome. And if you know anything is relatable, please do get in touch. Give me feedback, give me your thoughts. Please like and subscribe and share this episode with as many people as you possibly can. We would love to hear from you. Any sort of future podcast ideas, stories, or anything you want me to cover, more than happy to share anything. But most importantly, have an amazing week. Be optimistic, be brave, be ambitious, and achieve what you want to achieve.